Bodega, 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 alpha and omega. <coughs> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled my mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a news uh, political commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my uh, political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My handle is Brad Bannon, all one word. We've got a really big show today. Our guest in the first half hour is John Nichols, national political correspondent for The Nation. And then in the second half hour, our provocative progressive political panel. Today on the panel, we have Edwith Theogene from Generation Progress and political activist Mark Grimaldi. But let me just say this, for those that continue to feign great surprise about what happened on January 6th. As a black woman, to be barricaded in my office, using office furniture and water bottles, on the ground, in the dark, that terror, those moments of terror, is familiar in a deep and ancestral way for me. And I want us to do everything to ensure that a breach like this never occurs at the Capitol. But I want us to address the evil and scourge that is white supremacy in this nation. This is not only about securing the capital to ensure that members and our staffs and the custodial staff and food service workers are safe in the capital. Mm -hmm. It is that we are safe in America. And one of the images that I'm haunted by is the black custodial staff cleaning up the mess left by that violent white supremacist mob. That is a metaphor for America. We have been cleaning up after violent white supremacist mobs for generations, and it must end. So impeach, expel, investigate. That uh, was uh, Congresswoman Elena Presley from Massachusetts talking about the harrowing experiences on the day at the uh, Capitol coup d'etat a few weeks ago, which we're going to talk about. Uh, There on your screen, you can see John Nichols, national political correspondent for the nation, which is a home to tenacious, muckraking, 
provocative commentary. The nation empowers its readers to fight for justice and equality for all. John is the author of the book, The Fight for the Soul of the Democratic Party. His Twitter handle is Nichols Uprising. John, welcome to dead, back to Deadline DC. It's an honor to be with you, my friend. Uh, I like that clip from Representative Presley. It gives you an idea of how chaotic and harrowing uh, the experiences were of uh, people who were trapped in the Capitol when the Trump mob attempted to destroy it or take it over or both. Uh, that uh, is a prelude to uh, talking about the fact that the uh, Senate trial, impeachment trial of the former president uh, is starts tomorrow. Uh, first of all, uh, tell me uh, what kind of case that the House impeachment managers uh, are going to make against the former president. They've detailed their case in a brief that was put out a few days ago and uh, also in a, a couple of moves that we've seen already, including a letter to Donald Trump asking him to testify. And so I think the best way to sum it up is to say that uh, the lead manager, Jamie Raskin, as well as the people who are working with him, are prepared to uh, fight in a much more aggressive and tactical way than you saw in the first impeachment a year ago. Uh, it's bizarre, of course, that we're talking about uh, the second impeachment of Donald Trump, but that's where we're at. And some things were learned along the way. One of the things that's important as regards this impeachment is uh, to lay out a very specific case uh, that is, frankly, easy to wrap one's head around, doesn't involve a, a lot of uh, moving parts, it's a simple, basic argument that uh, in the run up to January 6th, Donald Trump created a circumstance that uh, that encouraged people to come to Washington and encouraged them to aggressively uh, demand an overturning of election results. Then on January 6th, he rallied with these people, uh, told them to fight, fight, fight and sent them off toward the Capitol. And as the managers say, there is simply no question that it was Donald Trump that uh, called this uh, this action into being and that encouraged it and then failed to try and dial things down as it clearly spun out of control into a deadly uh, act of mob violence. Uh, let me ask you this about in the uh, trial. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious to most people uh, that uh, there are not 67 uh, senators who were who were willing to convict uh, Donald Trump. My guess is he gets all 50 Democratic senators to vote to convict him and at least a couple or a few Republicans. But what is the value of this trial when we already know the end result? Well, it's probably the most valuable impeachment trial in history uh, because what it seeks to do is to hold a president to account for literally seeking to overturn the results of an election. And uh, I think it identifies a, a, a deep, deep challenge in our society. And that is that unaccountable presidents have immense power to uh, perpetuate themselves in office and to abuse that office when they are there. Uh, my sense from conversations with Congressman Jamie Raskin, who will be the lead manager of the impeachment and with other uh, folks who are involved in this, is that they will try to make that very, very clear. 
obviously their hope is that that might lead uh, more Senate Republicans to be supportive of what is a necessary response. Uh, even if it doesn't, however, it lays down clearly that uh, Donald Trump abused his position in the last days of his presidency in order to try and perpetuate that presidency. That is the highest of high crimes. And it is also something that uh, you can't be allowed to just, you know, fritter away or have people say, oh, well, we'll forgive and forget and move on. That would be an absurdity that would invite um, future presidents to be even more abusive. You know, I hope they lay out the timeline leading up to the events of the Capitol. There was a meeting with uh, many top Trump operatives, I guess, the day before the uh, Capitol riot. Uh, apparently, the uh, Department of Defense, the Pentagon, ordered the uh, D.C., Virginia and Maryland National Guards to stand down. Uh, and it seems to me there are some specific suspicious uh, circumstances that led up to the riot. We're going to be back uh, after a moment with our guest, uh, John Nichols, national political correspondent for the nation. We'll be back right after these messages. So do not, I repeat, do not go away. Oh, okay. Yes, right. We've got two more minutes. Okay. Let me uh, ask you this question, John. Uh, how many Republicans do you think are open to voting to convict convict Trump? I think I think we've got the number, uh, at least at this point. Obviously, you know, trials are especially a political trial of this sort are always somewhat unpredictable. So there could be more. But we know that the senators who rejected Rand Paul's uh, argument that the trial was unconstitutional are the most likely votes. Uh, with the Democrats. If the Democrats were to get um, those five Republican senators, I believe, um, then, you know, you'd take you'd go to about 55 votes, roughly 55 votes for conviction. That certainly is insufficient. It's 12 short. Um, obviously, Jamie Raskin and others will be seeking to target arguments that might break loose a couple of the Republicans who voted to say that this uh, trial was unconstitutional, but who, you know, theoretically could be could be brought across the line. I think that's going to be very difficult. So I do think that at the end of the day, you're probably looking at um, something in the range of mm, four or five Republican votes for impeachment. Well, that would be, I think, a significant moral victory if you had 54 or 55 of the senators uh, vote to uh, convict Donald Trump. Uh, I guess we got to be glad uh, that any Republicans are willing to uh, close ranks, given the former president's support among uh, rank and file Republicans. Anyway, we're going to break now. Uh, our guest is John Nichols, national correspondent political correspondent to the Hill, and we'll be right back uh, after these messages. So please don't go anywhere. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Welcome back to Headline with Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is John Nichols, national political correspondent for The Nation. Uh, we've been talking about impeachment, but we're going to switch from uh, uh, the 
impeachment trial to economics. Uh, right now, uh, there's a lot of talk in Washington about the possibility of uh, a pandemic economic uh, relief package. Uh, the uh, President Biden has uh, has endorsed one. Uh, he has a decision to make, though. Uh, he has the opportunity uh, to pass a uh, package, uh, an aggressive package, uh, with just uh, 50 Democratic votes plus the vice president's vote. Um, or he could uh, do something, uh, make some compromises with uh, a few moderate Republicans. Uh, but the problem with that is that you would get a uh, lesser package that probably would have less impact on the economy. Uh, the president uh, seen, you know, every time I think of president, I think of Trump. I have to get this President Biden thing uh, straight. But uh, from what I can tell, and you're probably in a better position to judge than I am, uh, President Biden uh, wants to go big with uh, the uh, 51 votes in the Senate he has available. Is that true? I think that's true. Uh, look, Biden is by experience and by instinct a, a a man of the Senate. He's somebody who spent an immense amount of time there most of his political life, and uh, and I think he's always somebody who's going to look for a way to find a, a route through that might get to a bipartisan majority. But he's also uh, Barack Obama's vice president. He experienced the reality of obstruction during the Obama presidency and knows that uh, a long process of negotiation with the Republicans almost always yields nothing or makes things actually worse. And so I think both I think that experience has led him to conclude that while he would like to build a coalition that's larger, that gets some uh, Republican buy in. That's so unlikely in this circumstance that it's smarter to unite the Democratic caucus, get your 50 votes and have Kamala Harris break that tie and move forward, especially in response to COVID-19, because this is not just a political fight. This really is a definitional fight for um, the next couple of years in this country, because if we don't get these resources out there in the, at the level we should, we will almost certainly experience uh, some kind of serious recession. Yeah. Now, one of the questions about the possibility of an economic uh, slash pandemic relief package uh, is the question of the minimum wage. Uh, I think uh, Bernie Sanders, who's chair of the uh, Senate Budget Committee, uh, wants very much to uh, include a $15, a $15 an hour minimum wage. Uh, Joe Manchin, the senator, probably the most conservative Democrat in the Senate, is reluctant to do so. Uh, I think the uh, House is going to probably include a minimum wage increase in its uh, package it sends to the Senate. Uh, today, the Congressional Budget Office released a study, uh, which was your classic good news, bad news study. And the good news was that, according to the CBO, it raised almost, I think, 900,000 uh, Americans out of poverty. Uh, 
but the CBO also said it would probably lead to 1.4 million Americans losing their job. Uh, so taking all this, what do you think your pro- the prospects are for a minimum wage increase? Uh, look, I, I think that the Democrats are determined to fight for it. And uh, there is it is absurd that we've gone this long without a, a wage hike. And so clearly there's going to be something. The uh, Biden administration did the right thing by going for the $15 uh, increase. I think there'll still be an effort to get that in. Uh, the House Democrats, I think, are, are more than prepared to do that and, in fact, have developed a, a strategy for doing so. The challenge is really going to be moving Mansion. Um, it's, you know, maybe a couple of other Democrats as well. And uh, the sad reality is that that may require some negotiating down of the increase uh, instead of going to a $15 hike, talking about a, a $12, going to $12 or something like that. Um but I, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a failure to, to do some sort of major increase in the minimum wage. It's, it's way beyond necessary. And frankly, uh, deep, deep shame on Joe Manchin for uh, undermining the efforts to take it to 15. It actually, at this point, should be going even higher because uh, the $15 an hour in many parts of this country will not get somebody working 40 hours a week uh, above the poverty level. Uh, there's another issue involved in the possibility of a package, and that is means testing it. Uh, there has, I think, Susan Collins said last week that it's ridiculous to give stimulus payments uh, to people who are making uh, $300,000 a year or more. Uh, I've seen uh, proposals to limit uh, the stimulus payments uh, to couples making $150,000 a year uh, or uh, whatever. What do you think is going to happen in terms of a mean test for the stimulus uh, well, payments? First and foremost, let's be clear that means testing is a horrible, 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 horrible idea in this regard. It's about as bad an idea as you could come up with. The $2,000 payments are popular. Americans really uh, want them. And yeah, it's true that some of them might go to people that don't desperately need them. But remember, uh, Americans have just been through a hell of a year. Uh, there are plenty of folks who uh, need it literally to survive. And that's that's why you should be doing it right, first and foremost. And of course, you get it to them. But there are also a tremendous number of Americans who've been through uh, you know, a very hard time. Maybe they didn't lose everything, but they lost a lot. And you have people who've struggled to make student loan payments, who've run up credit card debt. You also, and this is an important thing to understand, because you're basing it on what people's 2019 income was, right? You've got people um, who have lost, even lost their jobs in this period and who won't begin to be made whole by this. There's just so many moving parts here that the logical thing is to say, the same thing they did with the initial payments back in 2020 uh, in that first COVID package. And that is that, yeah, they're going to go to people up to a relatively high income level. If you means test it down to the lowest level possible, and remember, some of these Republicans are talking down to $40,000 a year. Look, there's a lot of parts of this country where somebody making $40,000 a year um, is really struggling. And where people are making $50,000 a year and more are really struggling. 
better not to do the means testing and frankly do what is a good to stimulate the economy and b necessary right that is necessary for a lot of america with that said it's going to be very very hard because the republicans are opposed and again it looks like mansion is unsympathetic okay uh john thank you very much for coming back to deadline dc we always uh, enjoy having you in the show uh myself and the listeners so uh we appreciate you keep coming back we'll be, be back with more of deadline dc with brad bannon after these messages Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. We're going to get to our provocative progressive political panel in a couple of minutes. But before that, uh, a piece of my mind or what's little left of my mind after four years of Donald Trump. American politics would be a lot better off if we had a lot more of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a lot less of Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. AOC is an asset for Democrats. Greene is an albatross for Republicans. The Democrat from New York makes waves for promoting the Green New Deal and Medicare for All. The Republican from Georgia has made her mark by fanning the the flames of hatred. While Green favors fiction, AOC fights against the perils of climate change are rooted in science. The problems that Green brings to the GOP table have been well documented. She is a follower of QAnon, QAnon, which believes in conspiracy theories about liberals, which would be laughable if they weren't so scary. Some Democrats resent AOC because she of her aggressive advocacy. Now is the time for the Democratic congressional leadership to learn to love her. If they have any doubts about the value that AOC brings to the Democratic Party, all they need to do is take a good hard look at the menace that Green poses for the Republicans. You can read the rest of this column and my take on presidential politics in the Hill every week. You can find my column by Googling muckrack.com front slash Brad dash Bannon. But there are many other reasons we're here today. In 2019, during the same election cycle in which she ran, showed support for comments online that the quickest way to remove Speaker Pelosi from power would be, and I quote, a bullet to the head. Did any of you hear Steve King say anything like that? You removed him from all of his committees. But as I said, you did nothing. As a matter of fact, uh, gave a standing ovation, as I understand. I wasn't there. What message does that send? That was uh, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer from Maryland. Uh, arguing uh, for the uh, uh, for uh, Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene to be stripped of her uh, committee assignments. The House did vote to strip her of her committee assignments. Uh, they probably should also consider expelling her, too. Uh, but uh, I guess that's too much to ask for. Uh, now we go to our provocative progressive political panel. 
Our guest today is Edwith Theogreen. She is the Director of Advocacy for Generation Progress, the youth engagement arm of American Progress. Theogene works to develop and lead efforts that translate the experiences of young adults into concrete actions that advance progressive policies and increase voter turnout. Her Twitter handle is whoisedith, uh, and that's W-H-O-I-S-E-D-W-I-T-H. Joining our on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi, who has worked for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Mark is also active in efforts to reform campaign finance and to promote cancer research. Mark's Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. That's Mark J. G. R. I. M. A. L. D. I. Okay, let's start with uh, Edwith. Edwith, uh, by the way, you may be familiar with Edwith. She uh, is on the Generation Progress uh, broadcast uh, every other Wednesday, so you may have seen her before. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get to see her on Deadline DC uh, every once in a while. Uh, Edwith, let's start with you. Uh, how much of an albatross is Marjorie Taylor Greene to the Republican Party? Do they, do, you know, do you think she's a major problem uh, for the GOP? Uh, do you think they would have been better off uh, more than voting to strip her of her committee assignments? What do you think? Um, well, Marjorie is, she's getting a lot of attention for a lot of the stuff that she's been saying. And what I think is also really messed up is that with this attention, she's also gathering a lot of support. Um, she is fueling misinformation. She's spreading lies about people's identities, religious parties and associations, which I think is a problem. Um, and she's also spreading lies and inciting violence against her coworkers. I don't know anyone who would work anywhere and saying some of the stuff that she said um, and not be held accountable for it. So I think there needs to be some sort of accountability for the things that she's been saying. There's a meme, because, um, you know, young folks, we love the TikTok and stuff like that. And there's a meme of someone who's like imitating some of the activities that Marjorie has done. And they're like, if I did this at any job, I would be fired. So I think that's something for us to consider. Um, she's just spreading a lot of dangerous conspiracy theories. And as we remember on January 6th, we saw so much of what can happen when these conspiracy theories uh, come to life in this way. Uh, Mark, you want to weigh in from the uh, on the uh, representative from Georgia? You know, uh, you know, my own personal opinion, you know. Uh, advocating for uh, assassinating the House Speaker um, is pretty serious in my book. I don't know, maybe it's, you know, people uh, in her congressional district think that's a good idea or something. I don't know. Uh, but it seems to me that given the, the political climate, uh, that advocating violence like that is very dangerous. Mark, what do you think about her? Yeah, I mean, we don't even have to theorize anymore. We have the evidence from just over a month ago that happened in our nation's capital. And, you know, when people are lied to, are called to violence, they think, okay, our leaders are acting like this. They are our leaders. They're who we're looking up to. We want to, you know, be like them. And when you're living under different circumstances in a different reality, those are the kind of things that happen. Uh, you know, Brad, one thing that came to mind was actually a conversation you recently had with Colonel 
Cedric Leighton, when you were discussing um, the percentage of uh, military veterans that took place in the Capitol riots, um, and it was you know quite high. It was something like one in ten or, or more. Um, it was actually he, Colonel Leighton, said it was two in ten. Or two in ten. That's scary. right. Yeah, that's right. Because he did say it was higher. Um, but he said they think of themselves as you know protecting the nation, and when you actually put yourself in their mindset when they are being told a different reality and they think that someone really is coming and trying to steal the election, they think their democracy is being stolen. So if they're, if they're looking at things like that and acting like that, well, when another member is saying, you know, the same types of conspiracy theories that are espoused by QAnon and which is, let's not forget what QAnon is. It's said so many times. I think we forget they believe that there's a secret cabal of Democrats, group of Democrats that kidnaps and molests and rapes children and they're, they're cannibals and they're, they drink their blood. I mean, this is insane. So imagine someone who is this insane is now in not only the position of a congressional member, but as Edwith said, having all this media attention on her, they're She's, she's making money off of it. She's funding off of it. And like you said, she's supported executing, killing members of Congress, specifically the Speaker of the House. And that, which Steny Hoyer brought up when she supported that online, that was in 2019, the year she was running for Congress. So it's not like it's all oh, this was, you know, years ago, it was a mistake. Um, it's as clear and present of a danger as I can possibly Think of so we need to treat it that seriously right now before it begets becomes worse. The three of us and a lot of listeners may think, "Oh, she's crazy. No one will take her seriously." But who? Do, what does that sound like? I remember thinking the same thing when Donald Trump was gaining attention. So we have to be careful how much just unespoused media, uh, uh, unfiltered media attention that that she receives without fact checking and talking about how dangerous. She is. And then, yes, you point to the Republicans and say, look at this lack of action with how clear and present this danger is. Yeah, a couple of comments about her. Uh, one is, I should also add, that uh, she said that uh, the uh, uh, shooting at the Parkland, Florida high school was a false flag operation, essentially a fabrication, just to generate support for gun control. Uh, now, 17 people died uh, during that shooting. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think she also cast doubts about the uh, tragedy in New York City at the Twin Towers on 9 11. Uh, so she's a hot, you know, hotbed of conspiracy theories. Uh, and it's really scary. And the other thing I find really scary is it seems to me you could build a good case. Uh, or uh, it's spelling something like that, uh, but uh, it, just 11 Republicans voted simply to uh, uh, divide, you know, deprive her committee assignments. Anyway, we're going to break. Uh, we'll be back with more of the provocative progressive political panel uh, after these messages. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll track you down if you do. <laughs> If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Welcome back to Deadline TV. We 
lecture in the middle of uh, the provocative progressive political panel. Our guest on the panel today from Generation Progress is Edward Theogene, who you may know uh, from seeing her on uh, Leslie Marshall's show on uh, Wednesdays. And of course, we also have progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, we were talking uh, before we went to break about the economic stimulus slash uh, pandemic package. I also want to remind our late radio listeners that if you would like to see the show as well as listen to it, uh, there are all sorts of ways to do it. Uh, you can see us on Periscope TV at periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can see us on Facebook Live at tinyurl.com front slash BB Facebook Live. And now you can also see us at YouTube at tinyurl.com front slash Brad on YouTube. Uh, Edwith, let me ask you about there's been a lot of discussion in the last few days about a package, uh, a piece of the stimulus package uh, that would help parents of children uh, provide them grants of up to $3,600 a year. Uh, do you think, uh, first of all, do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. <laughs> okay. Um, Why? I think, well, because I think we need to provide as much support as possible to the people that need them. Um, I think prior to the break, we were talking about how I felt about the package overall. And I feel like it's, people are desperate. People are in need of it. Um, some other things that I think that we need to include in the stimulus package, we should expand unemployment benefits, add more than $400 per week. Um, other measures include the expanded child tax credit, which you talked about to $3,000 per child and making it fully refundable in order to target relief to families with children um, who are facing a lot of different challenges, whether that's from childcare, from not being able to work, from um, you know providing resources for the family. Um, also making sure that we're providing a big boost for healthcare. Um, we are going through a global pandemic, which also brings a lot of different things. Many people are without jobs. Many people without having jobs um, have to navigate what their insurance and healthcare access will look like. Um, I think also a boost to the earned income tax credit um, to boost incomes for those who still have a job but struggle with added demand on their finances. Um, and finally, Congress should provide more money to raise the minimum monthly benefit and increase the maximum benefit for the from the SNAP program to 15%. Um, and I think this could help address food insecurity. And just throwing this last piece in, as we talk about economic recovery, we also have to focus on who's being left out of different packages, whether you're undocumented or whether you're a young person, for us to really think about that as well. And I feel like we can't leave out the student debt crisis. I feel like if we want to jumpstart the economy, a really good way to do that and to also get money back into the pockets of people is through the uh, addressing the student debt crisis. Okay, I should also say that at least one Republican senator, uh, Mitt Romney of Utah, uh, favors some sort of aid to uh, children, uh, to uh, parents who have uh, small children, uh, which brings me uh, to Mark. Uh, Mark, you have two young children. Uh, what do you think about the idea of uh, including a uh, uh, package uh, for people like you, parents of young children? I mean, why do you think? I well, I think Edwith 
highlights, you know, the challenges that are faced by, you know, many Americans right now. And, you know, it's common sense to think if individuals are struggling, well, those who are, you know, responsible for taking care of others, the lives of others who can't take care of themselves yet, um, that's going to place, you know, an increased burden upon them. Um, and that's not including the fact that, you know, you are educating your children in a lot of circumstances now. Um, it's taking opportunities away that you might be able to have to, if you could get other work, um, if parents were having to work two jobs, for instance, to be able to pay their bills. But now, you know, they have a child who's hopefully, you know, lucky enough to even be able to do remote school, which not every child is because of the disadvantages in some communities of the technology that's available, like iPads, um, you know, tablets, computers, not all districts have that and not all are able to offer that. Um, so for those families that do have that, the parents are home with the children, helping the children with with those needs and it's placing a burden on them there. And also I think as was talked about food insecurities, you know, I am, you know, have been at a point in my life earlier in my life when I was younger, where my family and I, through the, the good grace of God, had a food bank to go to when we needed to, when we were going through tough times. And that is something that many Americans have had to do for the first time during this pandemic is a very humbling experience. And I think that, you know, the fact that we're seeing these these places run out of resources, run out of food in the richest country in the world is absolutely just unnecessary. I mean, forget about how morally wrong it is for a moment. It shouldn't be happening. It doesn't need to be happening. So anything that we can do um, to address those crises, I think are extremely important. Let's not forget the CARES Act, I think was around $3 trillion. They're asking for a trillion dollars less in this package. Um, the Republican alternative would not even address um, the $618 trillion package that they offered, uh, would not even fund state and local budgets, which would mean layoffs for essential workers, you know, firefighters, police officers, EMTs that, you know, is that really what we want to be doing right now? So I do not think this is that time to compromise. I think this bill is too important. Um, as you know, has been brought up previously, Joe Biden was vice president to President Obama when the stimulus was squeezed smaller at the beginning of his administration. And we would not have had to suffer financially as a nation as much as we did if they would have been able to have the original package that they had hoped for at the beginning of the Obama administration in 2009. So I do not think this is a time to bring this package to a smaller number. You have the votes, as you said, um, even including those like Joe Manchin, um, even his, you know, the governor of West Virginia, who's a Republican, has come out in support of this package. So I think you pass it with the votes that you have. Be on the side of the American people. Be on the side of the 90% of American people. Um, there's few no-brainers in government and in politics, but I think this is one of them. Okay. Uh, I just, uh, can I add something? Yeah, just really quickly, like people don't care which party delivers the answer yes. to this, like whether it's Republican, Democrat, or whether it's Joe Biden or which representative, they want relief, like they are desperate for it. And I think all of us have been humbled in this moment collectively. So just having a government who can respond to the needs of its people is just critical and important and necessary. Yeah, you know, I saw a meme on uh, 
on Facebook or one of the social media uh, saying that, oh, I'm only going to take the money from a package that's been uh, passed <laughs> with Republican support. Yeah, I think people are going to cash the checks, whether yeah. they have uh, Democratic, uh, just Democratic votes or Democrats and some Republicans. And with, let me ask you about another uh, aspect of the package, uh, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh, today, the uh, Congressional Budget Office uh, came out with the report. Uh, the good news was it said it would raise a million Americans out of, po- uh, out of poverty. Uh, also, the bad news was it would probably uh, cost, uh, I think, 1.4 million Americans losing their jobs. Uh, could you explain why it's a necessity to have a minimum wage increase? Yeah, I mean, as someone who worked for like prior to like my time in D.C. for 10 years as like a waitress, a hostess, I've been working since I was 14 years old and I haven't really seen any kind of like increase in minimum wage and the cost of living has gone up. And as someone who moved from Florida to like D.C., which is one of the most expensive cities in the United States, um, it's just it's necessary and important. Everything is more expensive. Groceries are more expensive. Um, rent is so expensive. You're talking about gentrification. There's so there's so many systems at play that I feel like raising the minimum wage will provide relief. You know, if I can go back and get my waitressing job that I used to have like 10 years ago, five years ago, and still get paid the same amount, you know, with like the current bills that I have now, it's ridiculous. And you're also thinking about uh, for young people, millennials and Gen Z, who are also burdened with student debt and having to pay that back and getting like jobs that can't even pay like a living wage. That's really discerning, you know? So I think it's just super important that we respect people um, for the work that they're doing by paying them um, and honoring them with dignity, which is raising the minimum wage. I don't even think $15 is enough. $15 is enough. I would go for higher, but I see that this is a monumental cost. Um, so yeah, I support it. Definitely. Okay, great. Uh, that's unfortunately all for today, folks. I want to thank our guest, uh, John Nichols, national political correspondent for the nation. Uh, Edwith Theogene from Generation Progress uh, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, this is Brad Bannon. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay sane if you can while the pandemic rages. I'll be back next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. Make sure you listen <laughs> to Leslie Marshall tomorrow or there'll be big trouble. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, Edwith. When we made our new McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out, and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. When's the last time you looked at your bathroom? Second thought, you might not want to make eye contact with that old faucet. It's time to head to Lowe's for some home improvement. Choose from stylish brands like American Standard, Delta, and Style Selections. And transform your before bathroom into an amazing after bathroom. Woohoo! You can't see her, but she's high-fiving herself. Don't just do it yourself. Do it for yourself. Stop by Lowe's or visit Lowe's.com slash D-I-F-Y for vanity starting at $99. Valid through 331 U.S. only.